Uh, we were gamers. Episode one eleven. Diving right in. There's Michael. Hey everybody. And a huge welcome back to JJ. Hey. How's it going, my friend? I'm good, man. Everything is pretty great over here. <laughs> yeah, big congratulations. Yeah, thank you guys. It was a wonderful time, uh, and I I had a really, really wonderful time, so I think that's the best it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're sad you weren't here, but we're glad you were not a participant in the Electricity Minute last week. <laughs> I heard about it. <laughs> And, uh, man, a lot has happened. We, we had a little bit of fun, I think, last week at, uh, trying out Portal 2. Yeah, JJ, I'm, I'm curious, were you actually yelling Atlas at us? <laughs> uh, no, I wasn't, uh, but I don't make a habit of yelling, uh, at things when I'm, like, you know, walking around in public or whatever. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, we're not the only ones that have been trying Portal out this week. We got a new transmission, and I want to hit it off the bat if you guys are up for it. Oh, hey, sure. Let's do it. All right. On the count. Three, two, one, go. So who remembers where we left off? He was outside the training room. Who's behind the scenes? Fat chance, man. Oh. It, it ended last time on him not being able to get past some turrets. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Embarrassingly long amount of time for me to figure out there. I apologize, guys. <laughs> he is sorry for something. It sounds like it was the, uh, related to last so, time. The robots are down. I've fallen through here, and I need to get back up. I think the portal uh, is one of those games where you just can't help but think out loud. Yeah, I, I think I seem to remember there being a lot of me going like, well, what if I... and then trying random stuff. I felt like... Yeah. We doing it when we were playing multiplayer I was going to say that the multiplayer seems like a, just a convenient cover for not right. talking to yourself right when in doubt follow the radio music oh yes you know that right good people don't end up here can you hear me nope <laughs> Nope. <laughs> oh boy, here they come. <laughs> I feel like that's his line in the zombie movie. Yeah, you go down right there. Here's the radio. Yes, the radio. Appropriately, he's gone insane. <laughs> It is vast back here. So I seem to remember that there's an achievement what in this game. Designing back here. Mm. I have some theories. Oh, uh -oh. Here we go. oh, he has some theories. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, was that it? We, wait, we he don't get theories. The theories? No. <laughs> we didn't hear the theories. <laughs> Where did Holy the theories go? Batman. Wow. 
Huh. All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember there being an achievement in that game for shepherding the radio from the very first room all the way to the end of the game. Obviously, he didn't do that, but I didn't remember there being radios along the way also. In those weird workman rooms behind the scenes, there were definitely clues on how to find them. And I do remember this one where the radio was playing and you kind of like heard it through the wall. Hmm. I definitely don't remember everything about this game for sure. So, <laughs> well, our portal two experience was similar in the, Oh, this is fun. You know, moments. And, uh, mm-hmm. right off the bat in, in portal two multiplayer, they do the kind of behind the scenes stuff, like shoot you into an office building behind the scenes, go get a disc right in the first level. So, yeah, we, uh, I wish we had taken a little more time to look around because right as it ended, I noticed a message on a whiteboard in the corner that said, don't trust her. <laughs> it's true. Don't do it. Yeah. I seem, lie. To, I seem to remember from my time playing Portal 2 that even in the multiplayer, right, they kind of keep you separate most of the time. You're kind of working like parallel to help each other advance. It seems like that was the uh, first... The first thing, the first, uh, what do you want to call it, zone, I guess, uh, was like that. I have a feeling it's not like that all the way through. Maybe it's more collaborative. Oh, I suppose you guys will see. <laughs> right on. Well, it was a nice little update. Short, though. I wonder... He's got to be close to the end. We'll see. Um, well, what has everyone else been up to? Yeah, uh, I have... Uh, been following through the Steam sale uh, that has happened recently. Uh, I think it is not quite over, but maybe just about like a day left by the time this podcast goes up. So, yes, uh, if you hear this and my voice, get your purchases in quick. <laughs> I do. I'm. I wish that I was going to get the Steam link in time to say so whether it was a worthy purchase before the sale ended but i guess the steam link will probably be on sale next sale so it seems like it has been on pretty severe discount quite a few times at this point it's an interesting model of uh, get them to get the hardware and maybe they'll buy more stuff no matter what price the hardware is even though that's the thing that costs actual physical money well you know if they make most of their money from the digital stuff Getting more people into that stuff makes sense, I guess. Uh, did either of you guys participate in the game which they brought back this year? I definitely this did. this time? Yeah, the the Salians, um, mm-hmm. which I'm embarrassed to admit took me a few days to get the joke of that name. No judgment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I definitely started playing it. Um, it. It definitely gets to be more fun as you unlock some of the higher powers. Mm-hmm. the black hole and the meteor in particular help you just sort of wreck crowds of aliens. Yeah. Uh, I got bored with actually playing the game pretty quick, so uh, I decided to cheat. <laughs> As uh, one does. And uh, this uh, apparently was a thing that like they they counted on at some level. Of course uh, they did. Because it happened the last time uh, they built a game like this. Uh, and I ran a script on my computer for several days in a row that just played the game automatically for me. Uh, I earned XP, it just, you know, 
got me the few cards that you get from playing it, which really weren't the point. Um, but I have the max level Steam badge for playing the game now. <laughs> Yay! All right. So you got like experience for your profile. Yeah, Yay. which is totally something that matters <laughs> or is worth anything at all. Yeah. Right. Um, but it was fun. Um, but I made some pretty good purchases, I think, so far. Uh, None of us won anything from the game, right? No, I don't think anyone wins. Yeah, yeah apparently they only give away a hundred copies of each game, so like your chances are so infinitesimal. Yeah. And double because, well, at least, like, the way the script works, it's trying to maximize your XP gain as opposed to chances of winning. So, you know, it was like you're bouncing around between planets and stuff rather than staying in one place. Sure. Um, But I did purchase a game uh, called Slay the Spire, uh, which I have been playing a little bit, and that game is pretty fun. Uh, It's in early access, but gosh, I really don't know why. Uh, Sure seems like a fully-fledged game to me. Uh, it is a, uh, deck building roguelike, I guess is a good way to describe it. Okay. Uh, you start off at the bottom of some, some tower, uh, and I believe there are three levels to it and you kind of have like a, a branching path in front of you, uh, and you can sort of see which encounter you want to encounter on your little path next and then make your way up to a boss eventually, and then the second level, and another boss, and the third level, and another boss. Uh, It is pretty interesting. You know, the the card aspect of it plays a lot like uh, Dominion, if you guys have played that board game before. Oh, cool. I love Dominion. Nice. Uh, Where you have a base deck with a certain number of attack cards, a certain number of defense cards, and a few little utility ones, and then every time you win a fight, you have the option to add one card to your deck. So it's a little bit like the um, Hearthstone mode? Um, Maybe, Uh, but the decks are much smaller. They start much smaller at like Mm -hmm. 10 cards or something. Right. Uh, And then as soon as your deck is out, your discard pile reshuffles immediately and you draw. Oh, that's cool. So so that's that's the Dominion aspect in that like it is a never-ending draw pile. It just keeps going. Mm -hmm. So you kind of build little engines and try to make little combos and stuff that you can do thing one and then thing two and then thing three and then 50 damage or whatever. Um, and it is a really fun game. Uh, you earn little uh, artifacts uh, on your way that just sort of sit along the top and give you random bonuses. Um, it's like, oh, this one gives you an extra strength at the start of combat or this one gives you dexterity or this one modifies your power in some way. Uh, there are three classes so far. Um, a... Gosh, I don't remember the names of them, so I'll just sort of describe what they do. One of them is very focused on, like, uh, uh, blocking and, like, uh, a warrior-type class. The other one is sort of a sneaky-type class. You get extra cards to start the battle. The warrior one heals after every battle, heals some amount. Uh, The sneaky one gets two extra cards to start the battle, so a lot more, like, combo-oriented. And the third one is kind of like mage-like uh, in that it has a lot of different, they call them powers, but they're sort of like innate abilities and and things that trigger every turn and stuff. Um, it's really, really cool so far. Uh, and, you know, after you finish every run, you unlock more things. So, like, uh, when I if you finish a run and have earned enough points, you get an unlock, and then that unlocks more cards available in, for that class in the next run. 
uh, you know, and if you dead, if you die, you're dead. Uh, you have to start over from the bottom again, uh, <laughs> lose all, lose all your stuff, uh, back at the beginning. Can you go pick up your stuff? No. Ah. It is a roguelike in that each run is separate and you kind of do its own thing. Fair enough. Yeah. So I am really, really enjoying the, that game. Um, they're on like a two week update schedule, I guess, and they make little tweaks and changes. Uh, there's a whole series of modes that like increase the difficulty and stuff. If you have gotten too good at it, um, they have a daily challenge, much like uh, Spelunky used to do for those people who played that game. Uh, where it's like, here's a set series of modifiers and a set dungeon that everyone can try and you compare scores at the end or whatever. Um, it's, it's really fun. Um, it is on sale. Uh, I assume the price will go up when it comes out of early access since that's usually how these things go. Um, but I, like, it seems like a full fledged game to me, you know? Maybe it's not one you would spend like three hours playing in a row or whatever because, you know, the runs kind of get tiring. Um, but yeah, I, I've been been enjoying playing like a run or two a night. That sounds awesome. I've been touching a little bit of the uh, Fire Emblem. Not too much. Not enough to really talk about overall. But I did decide to dig really deep into that Battletech update and try the game a bunch. Like with all the changes and stuff. Uh, it definitely made the game harder. I've been tricked quite a bit by the Skulls. That happens, and I, that happened to me in the base game several times, where they're like, oh, this is like a three-skull mission, no problem. And then, like, why are there eight mechs here? This yeah. is more than there needs to be. <laughs> well, the the expanse of, of skulls used to mean just sort of an amount of mechs, and then they seem to have capped things with the, like, types. But this last mission I went on, as an example, was a five-skull mission. Okay, well, that's going to be, be hard. tough. Yeah, sure. Um, but they had six assault mechs and two heavies. Uh, that's yeah, like, that's, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, but I've run that mission before. Same title, same planet, right? Uh, because missions do repeat. Sometimes they're just sort of there. Um, and they are randomly generated. Right. right. And the same mission on the same map had... Uh, two assaults, two heavies in the first wave, and then the second wave of reinforcements was four lights. Sounds like that that slider swung pretty hard in the other direction. So I've you. kind of been caught off guard quite a bit sometimes with those types of missions. Um, but I'm glad to see more assault mechs on maps rather than uh, not. Because for a while there, it was kind of... Definitely they upped or readjusted the the drop rates, I guess, on mechs that you fight. Um. But it has made the missions quite a bit harder. I feel like I'm getting my mechs are getting way more beat up each mission rather than just coring out center torsos on everybody. Mm. Um, and I think that's probably related to the called shot changes and the missile changes. Obviously, the missiles uh, rightfully scatter quite a bit more than they used to. Yeah, I think that was if I had to have a complaint with the balance of the game uh, when I played through it is that missiles made everything too good. And you could just almost focus fire people with missiles to the point where you would, like, strip armor and stuff off people to fit an extra set of LRMs on someone. So you can just, like, bombard people from halfway across the map with missiles. Yeah, I agree with the missile change. What's interesting is I can't quite tell if called shot is working right. Um, 
I don't know if I have the time to do an actual mathematical study of this and how long it would take is very long considering how you get access to called shot. Mm -hmm. But it feels like if you shoot multiple weapons um, at an 86 or 87% chance, um, they none of them hit. I've watched five or six in a row on high percentage, not 40 or 30%, right? But like 86, 87%, um, and it'll hit everything around it, but not it. So that's an odd, was, that's odd to me. There was something that after you mentioned this to me uh, a previous day, I looked at. Uh, were you doing this only on vehicles or also on mechs? Oh, is there a difference? Yeah, someone had mentioned that certain types of vehicles that don't have a slot for the turret, where like a turret would be on a tank vehicle, some vehicles don't have that slot. Okay. And if your hit roll rolls to hit the turret that doesn't exist, it just misses. Hmm. Oh. Uh, but this was a long time ago before the patch, and I don't know if it's still applied or not. But it was the only thing I saw that could have explained the stuff you were saying. Uh-huh. So I wondered if you had tried it or, or seen similar stuff with called shot against mechs, which have every location, right? You're not going to be missing a headpiece. On a I have seen similar stuff with called shot on mechs. Okay. Um, I have not, since I mentioned this earlier, uh, I have not mentioned it. Or I've not tried it with, like, single fire. Right? Like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm only going to shoot one laser. Because that really feels like a bad use of called shot. Um, yeah. It, it's not great, but with breaching shot, it makes it pretty good if you leveled all the way out to that ability. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, because you could breaching and called, and then it would do a lot of damage. And, like, ignore their bulwark and stuff, right. which is really the reason you do it. Right. So I'm wondering how that change, if people are studying that change. And if you are, uh, email us, podcast at weweregamers.com and tell me I'm crazy. But uh, the game is much harder, much harder, I think, than it used to be. I'm actually cool. somewhat concerned about the story missions. <laughs> I need to get back in and start a second playthrough now. That sounds yeah. like they made the game pretty good. So Yeah. Yeah, so that's my update on the Battletech update, and I probably will leave it at that until they do 1.2, and then I'll, I mean, I'll play still then, but I won't bother you guys about it. <laughs> uh, Michael? More steady progress in Trails in the Sky. I'm right at the start of the of chapter five. Uh, I'm trying to remember mm. how many there are in this one. Eight, maybe? There might be eight chapters in this one. Yeah, I, I will say eight-ish sounds right to me i think by the time of where you are things are probably happening right yeah things are <laughs> definitely happening um i can't be the, too specific well the the, when are, the we, we, we've got to do something at some point to just lay all this out because the things are happening moments it's moments on uh, we were gamers andrew, andrew I really can't talk about the stuff that I want to talk about in this uh, in this <laughs> game with Michael until he gets later in the game because All stuff way, is right? connected. Okay. Yeah. All so right. it's uh anyway, I will uh I'm sure uh that uh so like what is happening here at the end of chapter 4. So chapter 4 they have gone back to Roland and discovered the entire town under a dense fog. 
and then the townspeople start mysteriously falling asleep. So they're trying to figure out what the source of the fog is and if it's related to the investigation that they're conducting and how to wake up the townspeople. I think I've seen this episode of MacGyver. You have to drop some sort of um, chlorine thing down the well. Yeah, it is uh, <laughs> undoubtedly... <laughs> that was, that a, one landed really flat. <laughs> a tr- it, 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 tr- JRPG things are happening, I think is fair to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you can you can feel the plot being set up as they as they drop you breadcrumbs. Nice. I know um, we all did something in common because we were texting about it basically for a week straight. Uh friends, GDQ has ended and there's a sizable hole in my life every time this happens. Yes, but also a uh, a sizable amount of money raised for charity. So yeah, one point pluses or two and minuses, point, one two ish million dollars in American. That's a lot of yeah. money. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so That's to, a, I think a new record for them for summer or close. Yeah, for summer, not yes. for not for both, but uh, for summer. Um, a reminder that we're talking about games done quick, the charity gaming marathon that. We're all enamored with of speedrunning every game imaginable. This year ending on uh, a, a something I never thought I would watch seven hours of, but I ended up doing. Uh, Final Fantasy VI, that was cool. Yeah, I watched almost the whole thing myself, too. Yeah, I, I would not have thought I would sit down for... Se- I mean, I've sat down for, like, the Zelda runs that are long, but a glitchless run of Final Fantasy some for some reason grabbed me. You know, yeah. they usually end it with one really long RPG, I feel like. So I'm surprised you haven't ever tried those before. I, I definitely, uh, I did not watch uh, that one, um, although I have watched some of their uh, long RPGs uh, in the end in the past. Uh, so, like, maybe does everyone want to pick a favorite if you have one or, like, a favorite uh, thing that you saw or whatever moment? I'm I want, I want to pick one, now. but I have to think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll start. Uh, if you've got one, go ahead. Sure. I would say that my favorite one was watching the uh, Mario Maker Blind Race, uh, which was just really cool to see these uh, these amazing players play, you know, custom-made Mario Maker levels uh, blind, you know, essentially going into it with no practice in sort of like a team relay format uh, where when they die, they have to pass the controller. Uh, and it was really, really cool to watch. Uh all the levels were really insane. Uh, and then after the, the relay was done, they had an exhibition of like, you know, a few very, really, really hard levels, uh, that they had practiced, uh, to show off some cool tricks. So I I really enjoyed that one. It's worth checking out, uh, on the, on their YouTube or wherever, uh, fine runs are found. I have two and I have two for, for the same, but different, the same reasons ish. Uh, the two runs really, to me, expressed how much time and energy people are putting into these games and how specific they are when they... It's not like it's not like the three of us. We play new games all the time, right? And while I know a lot of the mechanics of Battletech, this puts into perspective that someone out there has made it their mission to learn every single possible iota of information about a game like 
like a battle tech or something like that. And they play it all the time. They don't stop. And the commitment to that to me was amazing to watch in two games specifically. One was one that Michael and I think both watched was Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yes. With, um, a Australian woman that was amazing at the game. She was flat out destroying the computer at 200cc. Uh, on a bike. On a bike. No less. Yeah. Um, and the discussions while they were sitting there talking about the mechanics happening behind the scenes that they sat there and calculated because they were not in the game. Like, They've gone through with every character, bike, and tire, and glider combo to figure out a hidden, like, number of of what your boost ends up being underneath all the stats in the game. So there's basically, like, a best combo Rolodex of, of information that they've built. And that, to me, was, like, shocking. And then they would go through, th- you know, saying, like, well, in 200cc, you actually don't do this jump, or you don't. You know, you don't do these little boosts because the boosts actually slow you down. They're not meant for 200, you know, so calculating speeds of this type of thing must have taken their community years and, or, and I don't, well, obviously not years because Mario Kart 8 has only been out a year, the deluxe version, but that community obviously has like dumped so much time into that. And that seemed to really Ye- years of collective time. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, and the same Person thing in years. The same thing popped up watching um, Kingdom Hearts this year. They did a level one Kingdom Hearts run. So, like, beginning to end, the dude did not level his character. In Kingdom Hearts, remind me, don't you just level if you get experience, or do you have to go in and automat- and assign points or something? Correct. So, he had to get to this one character to get skill points to buy... EXP zero as a skill. Ah, so he did that without gaining one level EXP. Right. Wow. And then played the rest of the game at level one. And then went, they went and talked about how to beat the rest. You know, the, the only way you can beat it is because the boss is scaled to your level. Um, the rest of the game does not. So you have to figure out a way to get through the rest of the game to the bosses. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the bosses scale. So they're beatable. But they're not beatable, really, uh, with your Keyblade if you're just whacking away at them. So you have to figure out a way to get summons and magic and all these other things. And they were talking about, again, behind-the-scenes calculations of how to make your magic stronger. It was crazy. Both of those were crazy when it came down to how much information they know. You know, uh, memorizing pixel-perfect jumps and stuff like that at Metroid is already insanely impressive because it's something I'll never have time or energy or ability to do. Um, but then you add on top of it, these guys that can run multiple different runs of these super long games in different categories. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the, like, uh, uh, N64 Ocarina of Time bingo where a speedrunner who would normally just run any version of like a speedrun of Ocarina of Time then instead speedruns five specific things like get the three Skulltulas in the forest or go get the hover boots or um, beat or get all seven dungeon compasses things like that hmm. to try and make a bingo line out of this card that's randomly generated and like the time and energy they put into they've done nine versions of this bingo card that 
you know, the random generator has to weight the values of. So again, years of time there, multiple people. But then also the adaptability to reroute on the fly. Right. Like that, it just, this year, I think they, they really showcased the abilities of the people more than just the, um, the nostalgia of the games, which has been kind of the reason for watching for a lot of people, I think. You know, that actually reminds me of something. This isn't actually GDQ related, but speaking on the uh, abilities of the people to reroute on the fly, for a while, they, people were streaming a lot of A Link to the Past randomizer. Have you guys heard about this? Did we I talk about this it. before? Yeah, yeah, we've talked about it once before because it was a big thing at the last GDQ and Michael had played it. And I watched them uh, stream. They called it a tournament. I don't know if there was actually like a prize or whatever, but I think there was... It was just really interesting to watch two people essentially racing each other. They randomized it the same way, and they gave it to both people. And just watch the people make decisions after getting, oh, well, they got the fire rod here in the first chest. So, like, now what what options are open to them, right? That kind of stuff. Yep. And, you know, the, all these people know A Link to the Past like the back of their hands. And so they can see, oh, okay, well, this means I can now go to the desert and get this chest. And, like, how many chests are available over here where I could find stuff randomly? Or, like, oh, these ones. Oh, this one had a heart, so it's probably not there. I can't get to this part of this dungeon where there are four chests if I don't have this and all that kind of stuff. It was, like, really, really impressive to listen to the commentators talk about those people playing that game that way. Um, and that just you talking about that reminded me of like exactly that thing where it's just like these people know stuff about a game that I have played right and like but do not know nearly enough I feel to play that way imagine how much time you'd have to sink to be able to do that you would have to do it every day for hours well like you know or look stuff up on the internet which is yes and no but to perform at the level of skill I'm saying that oh totally yeah yeah there's no substitute for you know just doing it right yeah, JJ, definitely go find the video of the race from AGDQ this year when they ran it. Yeah, yeah. I think I that was what showed me it the first time. I think maybe okay. you told me. Mm. I don't remember. Uh, I just <laughs> it this just like Andrew was talking about the the bingo stuff kind of like being like that, and then I was like, oh, this is literally that other thing. So, but awesome. Yeah, Michael. Um, oh, there were so many good ones. Oh, um, Super, Super Mario Odyssey was amazing. Um, to get through yeah, the whole thing one. in an hour. Um, I, I, it is not my favorite, but I want to definitely give a shout out to the Super Mario Brothers 3 race <laughs> because that was a great watch. It was so yeah. It was so much fun to watch the two guys racing each other. And then one of them had technical difficulties. And basically crashed out. His his whole system went down, and the other guy waited for him to catch up. Well, wasn't before didn't the one guy bump the system? That was and that's what so, reset it. So that was yeah. The he end. like threw his controller down or something in frustration, and it happened again. That's what it was. It happened again. He threw his yeah. controller down in frustration and set off the other guy's system again somehow. And it was all kinds of shenanigans. But just a the sportsmanship to be like. I'm going to stop and just let you catch up so this can still be a race. Um, and then B, the exhibition of skill for the other guy to switch gears and know, okay, this is the fastest route for me to catch up to where I was and still have all of what I needed to get through the rest of the race. 
Right. Just because, like, they're like, oh, well, now his items are going to be different, right? Because you get those items in Super Mario Brothers 3, and, like, they use them in certain places, and now he's going to have slightly different ones, so maybe they take different levels or whatever now, and that's yeah, just, like... Yeah, because they were, they were running a very specific category, too. Right. Um, But I think... Yeah, if that was I a great call. To, that's a great one. If I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be... Uh, the race of Metroid Zero Mission, which is a game that I have played. It was Game Boy Advance, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's it's a Game Boy Advance game, and just the the skill of all four runners to blow through this game because they did a they did a hundred percent race of it. So they had to get literally every item. And beat every boss for their uh, for their run to count. And what one of the things that I think made it super interesting was that half the runners did different routing than the other half. I love so when they do that stuff. Huh. yeah. So partway through it, the two runners at the top of the screen diverged from the two runners on the bottom of the screen, and so you could sort of watch them in pairs. And compare how close they were to each other. And then finally, um, maybe halfway through, they um, came back together. And then it was just who's in the lead and who can hold on to it. That's cool. So definitely, you know, as a as a game that I had played before and really enjoyed, um, a lot of fun to see them pull off some really difficult technical things. Um, if you're familiar with Shine Sparking in Super Metroid and how A, difficult, and B, finicky it can be as a technique. These guys all just one after another nailing these difficult sequences where they had to run and spark and keep their momentum and, you know, it's it's beyond impressive. That was a really cool very, display this year. Yes. Very, so, very cool. Now we have to wait till January. Yeah, a lot of stuff I will be going back to watch because I didn't catch it. Yeah, I know they did some Castlevania stuff. I didn't get to go back and watch that yet. Uh, I I only caught uh, part of the Super Mario Odyssey one, so I want to see all of that. Um, yeah, so it tons of great stuff. Um, like like Andrew said, it is a uh, a staple of things that we do uh, this time <laughs> of year. Yeah, and then January again. I I it makes me sad. And that it's gone. And one of these years, I think maybe might have to just make a trip. <laughs> we have talked about it. I uh, I think it should happen. I would not be sad. I don't know, man. I wonder. Hmm. the The idea of going sounds cool, but like I feel like you would be kind of. I don't know you you miss out on the uh the ease aspect because you have to then like attend live whenever it is right oh okay they're still streaming it though of course yeah yeah you could put it on your phone and go to the other rooms the thing i want to see is like how big of an event it actually is Hmm. well yeah because they you know they always talk about the practice rooms and casual rooms and pinball machines and arcade room yeah i think it's got to be pretty big i'm I color me fascinated and plus, you could always go back and watch it later if you had a. Oh, that's true. Had a missed yep. connection. <laughs> right on, man. Well, uh, speaking of conventions, 
Yeah. Is you okay? You already know what I'm going to say. Oh boy. Well, I got a Comic Con badge this year. Yeah, I think we're all we're all going, right? Uh huh. We we will all be there. How um, excited are you? I mean, the level of excited I usually am for Comic Con, which is like, eh. <laughs> okay, I've, that's uh, the wrong question. That's the wrong question. You're right. Um, how well do you think things are going to go for people interested in exclusive events or products? Oh, oh yeah, I've uh, I've got a gripe here. So I okay. So to lay it out, right? Th- what it sounds like they are doing, at least in terms of the exclusive events and the exclusive products and signings and stuff, is they have democratized it in a way. Uh, they have sent the uh, an email to everyone with a Comic Con ID and a badge. It sounds like to go to this website and assert your interest to these various companies and, and people that are doing signings and stuff. And then you, ha- you literally sign up for time slots. I don't think there's any limit. I think you could sign up for everything if you want to. You can. Uh, and then at some point in the future, which isn't clear to me when that is, they're going to draw, there's going to be a digital lottery, I assume. And the winners will get the opportunity to do those things at those times. Uh, I think the rules are probably that you can't win more than once, but I didn't see that written anywhere. You can win more than once, but you can't go to more than one overlapping time slot. So if you are awarded two things that both have a 1230 Friday time slot, you have to pick one of them. Do you get a chance to pick one of them or do you need to only enter the raffle for one of them? No, No, you you are given the raffle for everything. Okay. Right, so you you get to make the choice. Well, the choice is enter for everything, and then if you win later, choose the one you care about more, right? So I, I do like this in a in a way. We'll get to the downsides, I think, in a sec when we talk to Michael. Um, yeah. Uh, because I am a person who generally has given up attempting to even do these things because of how ridiculous the lines are, how early you have to get there every year for everything, how many people you have to fight for every single part of it that like, I don't care enough, but if I was guaranteed a time and I didn't have, I mean, I'm sure I will still have to stand in a line. That part is not going to go away, but at least I would be like, I'm already in, right. I don't have to fight the line to get the line, which is the part that I don't like. But for people, and Michael, I'm sorry to cut off your gripe because it's going to be a long one, so i got to get in first. (laughs) Uh, But for people, JJ, like us, that have benefited and become happier and said, huh, I don't have to uh, fight everyone on the floor until Sunday, we are going to now be inundated with a new flood of people. Uh, But, like, I don't mind that, right? Like, uh, Would you say a flood of people? I mean, these people were already there, right? They were already on the floor for these lines, getting these tickets, doing these things. Yes. I know a lot of the people like for the Lego lines and the, the signings and the other stuff were outside of the hall. Oh, I see. You mean they would be giving the tickets for those things away outside? Yes. And so they'd be outside in these huge lines outside. And, uh, well now the tickets are given away digitally online and they will still be lining up inside to buy the things like they always have been, right? But now there will just be no ticket giveaways outside. Yeah, I think it'll just impact the... uh, 
It just impact your shoulder room a bit, I think, is is my takeaway. But for someone that participates in all these things, um, I have I have a theory of what's going to happen. But I want to hear. Yeah, I I want to hear. It's easy to see several downsides, so let's get into it. Okay. <laughs> um, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to go get some popcorn. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> wow. I'm just kidding. Throw that on the stove. Shot um, So, oh, where do I even begin? <laughs> um, I feel like the the crowd, the impact of the crowds is is definitely going to happen because um, not so much with, um, well, maybe not so much with anything but Lego, but the Lego line would happen in the morning, like all the other exclusive lines, right? And then it would happen again in the middle of the day. And while the drawing was in the middle of the day, people would start lining up several hours beforehand, which would draw, you know, crowds off the floor. Before dawn. Well, yeah. So, the I guess for people who don't know how it works, um, when when I first started going to con several years ago, you would line up behind the convention center in one of several lines based on what exclusive you were after, be it Lego or Funko or WB or Hasbro. There would be several lines behind the convention center, people, staffers holding up signs for what they were, and you would wait in that line, and then they'd start people through, and at the end of it, there'd be um, either a lottery, uh, like in the case of Lego, or in the case of some of them, wristbands that they would just hand out until they were done with a certain kind, and then move on to the next kind of wristband. Um, now, last year, I think it was, they changed it so that there was only one line, and it was the main line to get into the building. So, as soon as the doors opened, you couldn't get onto the floor yet, but they'd route you around inside, up through the sales pavilion, which is where people wait to get inside the building if they're there early. And from there, once you were upstairs, you could then head out back and get into whichever line you wanted. So everybody was in one big pool and it was up to you to divide up once you were inside. And um I I see what you're saying JJ about it being more democratic, but I also kind of liked the hoops that you had to jump through to get some of these exclusives because it weeded out some of the people who were just casually interested and who would sign up for an online system because, oh, I can just click a couple of buttons and I'm done. That's the in, only commitment of my time I have to make. Well, and then the time actually there to do the thing. But you're, you are right in that I would never have done those things that you talked about before, whereas sure. I now have done the sign up for these things now. Right. And that secondary time is an investment that you commit to making regardless, right? You're right. still waiting in line at the booth once you get selected for a time slot. Yeah. I, I want to chime in here as somebody that's been going to Comic-Con quite a bit longer uh, than Michael and a little bit longer than JJ. It really felt bad to me in the years when I finally gave up on doing the things that I had done for a long time. Like, I used to do the Lego thing every year, and I would wander con doing their scavenger hunts, and the participation that uh, a long-term person has had with the event has scaled back to the level of frustration they're willing to go through. And so, honestly, like, 
Yeah, it's great and all that. Like, if you're truly committed to Legos, you're gonna go get in the line. I'm using Legos as an example because it's one that we sure. all participate in or have. Um, and to but, be clear, there are people doing this for Hasbro, yeah, and, Has- uh, and Mattel, UCC, and, and Funko, yeah, yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't mean to cut off those fandoms, um, and I don't mean to make light of a lot of people that have made the commitment to do these things. But I'm gonna throw go out on a limb here and say 51% of the people in those lines are still resellers, just sitting in the lines, and now they just up the price more. Uh, almost undoubtedly, the sure. number of people that are in there so, to sell the merch afterwards is the, the people that high. cut off and got cut off from these events were also fans, and I don't want to make light of or. You know, because it sounds a little bit like when you say, well, you know, then the people that are really interested are the ones in the lines. It's like not this. Yeah, I'm less casually interested and less willing to wait in the lines, but I am interested. Right. I'm interested enough to then go pay on eBay for somebody to have done that for me instead. Sure. So there is a way that this might help people, but uh, there are more ways that it are. It is bad. Yeah, you throw, you yeah. know, you throw open the floodgates and you pull those people back in, but you have to let in everybody else as well. So, yeah, I, I, it's unclear. I mean, I guess until we won't know until we see, you know, what the numbers look like and how many people we know win or whatever. But it really seems just like they are, oh, well, like, let's give everyone a shot at everything, which, you know, is... It's a recipe for, like, then what do they do when people don't show, right? Because pe- people don't show all the time. I have wondered about that. that yeah, they've given away a time slot. I didn't consider. And the other thing is, I don't think it checks what you sign up for versus what badge you actually have. So, like, what if I have a Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, but no Friday? I don't think it stops me from signing up for stuff on Friday. It is clear, supposed I, I, to. Oh, does it actually prevent yes. you? It is supposed to check what day because it's t- you have to sign into your Comic Con account to do this, and it is supposed to check against the days that are assigned to your badge in a, in showing you the optional time slots you can sign up for. Okay, I guess because I have four days, I didn't see that. Were there right, times allotted on Wednesday then? Because I don't yes, have preview night. There are preview night slots. Ah, okay. So I didn't even see those. That's why. Yep. Okay. So I rescind that comment because I was just about to say what happens for people that sign up for days on Thursday when they don't have a badge and then can't go? Or, I mean, like, the question still remains, like, what happens when – because in a system like this, right, you're going to get some amount of people, probably not a high amount, but a non-zero amount for sure, especially with a system like this, right, where you say that barrier to entry is nearly zero, pretty close, right? Pretty close. So, like, how many – what are they going to do with – if they have like 50 people per day, not show, do then they give them out to first come first serve? Do they on the last day release them all? You know, like I, who knows? And that will probably happen differently per company, which is just going to create heartache for people who want to get in there really bad. I have two, I have two things that I wonder how they're going to deal with. Um, One being the things that are not on this list that generate lines like the blizzard store. Um, yeah, they're going to be in the middle of con and have a problem and then some solution is going to happen and they're not going to inform people and it'll be related to this system. I feel like, I, I mean, I just suspect those, the ones that haven't been a part of the system will just operate the way they always have, yeah. which is blocking lanes of 
of walking and everything that goes along. <laughs> right. With it. Right. And so the other question is, uh, where is the Reddit forum or, or Facebook group or whatever, where this comes out with hundreds of people or thousands probably that enter for everything. And then they list up their badge and they say, this is what this badge has access to. And the bidding war begins. I, mean, I don't know about going that far, but I think there not? will definitely be, well, I, I, at the very least, there will be a lot of horse trading of, I have this and I'm looking for that. Yeah, I imagine there would be a non-zero number of people who do what you're talking about, Andrew, but I suspect they're going to scan your badge at some point, which means you would have to then trust a different person with your badge for some period of time, um, the which rules- seems dicey. So the rules in the fine print also say that you're supposed to show up with a printout of your uh, assigned time slot and a photo ID. Which every time I've heard photo ID, they've never checked. But I might be, you know, pleasantly surprised this year. Yeah, I was just going to say that I know they said photo ID, but I've never once had them check photo yeah, ID it's for a, things it's a that huge say they do it. for them, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're trying to ferry thousands of people through lines. Yep. Yeah, I don't see uh, that happening. I, my suspicion is that it ties into the badge somehow, and they have one of those badge scanning things, and they just do that when you get in the line, and as long as it says you're allowed to be there, you're there. But, I mean, I don't... Obviously, I'm making this up. Who knows? Right. Um. Yeah, it... Man, it sure seems like a... Uh, it's a thing they did. Don't know if it was a good <laughs> thing they did. Yep. There's one other thing that I... That in talking... Uh, the wife and I came up with as an impact of this that wasn't immediately apparent when, you know, when the shock of the news broke, which is the impact on the social element of waiting in line. Because there are people that we don't see or wouldn't see in our con visits if it weren't for knowing that we would be waiting in line with them for exclusives that we all want. You can now right? spend it's that time with to, them doing something other than sitting somewhere. Sure, but if you know, if we want to be off doing X and they want to be off doing Y, there's a chance that those things won't line up. But there's also people like, like them. that don't want to wait in line with you that never see you because you're always in a line. <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> got them. Or because they're off site with their kids. Are you supposed? Uh, you're supposed to call. Also, <laughs> also got him. Also got him. Also, I mean, you know, for what for whatever this system does, whether it's good or bad, does it feel to you like a trial for what they want to do eventually with Hall H and the panels and stuff? Boy, sure does, doesn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it definitely then, has that slippery slope. And then feeling. we're really going to be talking about what the floor is like and how they're going to need and to start limiting is, the people. It is it is the slip it is the slope to all lines being abolished right because you just have dates and times you have to show up I'm I'm authorized to be here at time X because I won the lotteries for everything and then it's just now there are no lines anywhere in the con anymore here, because hall, hall H is pre decided ballroom twenty every panel you know it's just like oh my god you're gonna have to open up times to clear those halls then though that's the main problem with that is like ballroom twenty and hall H oh, don't true, clear. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that probably doesn't work for those then, huh? The smaller rooms, the ones that get cleared every time, 100%, this, they could run this system. Yeah. Or add time slots for clearing the ballrooms. Yeah. It's like yeah. a four-hour window that you get that you can spend in there, and you get to see three or four panels, and then there's a huge clear-out 
Yeah, that would be that would be really interesting anyway. Um, you know, just be like, oh, you got to strategize. Do you want the morning half of the panels or the back half? I guess at that point, though, then they would have to release their schedule of panels earlier, uh, which maybe companies wouldn't want to do. And then how pissed are you when that company or that panel gets canceled? Yeah. Yeah, man, like this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry if anyone wanted to see Marvel this year at Comic-Con. Yep. Hall H is nope. And then I'm sure the publisher, like the comic book side, will have a presence. But right, does anyone see comic books at Comic-Con anymore? Uh, I, that's my Comic-Con now. Uh, Discovery is yeah. going to be in Hall H, or Star Trek. Not that we're going, but... I feel like it would be a bad move for us to go, given that we haven't seen it. <laughs> You're going to show a bunch of season two sneak peeks, and we're going to be like, uh... One big spoiler this alert. This sure looks yeah, crazy. Like, what is this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> right on, you guys. Um, any other final thoughts about the Comic-Con system? Uh, I did I did have one more, and it's just a kind of a scary what-if. is the Speaking of the slippery slope of this thing, what's to stop it from turning into the housing lottery? You get to pick six time slots and rank them, and that's all you get to pick. For getting into the housing? Well, right. For getting, that's the way the housing lottery works. What if they apply that concept to the exclusive lottery? Here's this giant list of exclusives. Pick six and rank them. That's all you get. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, there's two sides to this argument, right? It's like, should the, the most dedicated, hardest working, willing to spend the most time people be able to get everything versus should everyone have some small shot at getting something? And like, how do you rate those two desires? I don't know. It's a, it, it, like, there's no right answer. It's just a, well, it's a hard problem. There is physically yeah. no way to get everything, right? If you're one person, you have to work as teams. So you you just have to work as teams in the six things that you list because you literally can't do it. You can't get all the Mattel, the Lego, the, the there's no possible way because they release uh, things per day. So you'd have sure. to spend your whole day trying to get that thing from this person. And then you've missed the Hallmark exclusive for that day or the blizzard whatever you know the thing has sold out on day two so you already have to operate uh this is goes for society as a whole you have to operate as a team if you want to accomplish these things so if they do turn into the housing lottery it's just going to turn it into ahead of time needing to cooperate with the six things you list it's how we get our hotel rooms every year because it's impossible to get hotel rooms well and it's the same i mean people already do that now with hall h they create these like you know the Reddit groups and stuff like that that spring up of like, oh, okay, here's the 10 people, here's your schedule, wait during these four hours, and then all 10 of us come back to this point right before the panel or whatever, and we're there, you know, or whatever. Yeah, and they have the trading so, bracelets so you that you can actually accomplish this. Yeah, and that kind of stuff, you know, exists and has existed for a long time. So, you know, it it's just we're moving it into a weirder, broader way of like there's now more horse trading, I think, involved, right? You have to kind of like... The first year of doing this is going to be the best year of doing this because there will be uh, 30% of the people that show up and have ignored all their emails and didn't know they needed to sign up for this stuff. I was actually going to mention that at the end here as well, that like the chance that this stuff gets implemented well is near zero. Uh, So the chance that like this is maybe the best year for people who want to like sneak in and... And like I said, when they have extras left at the end of the day or the end of the week or whatever, like 
slide in and grab stuff from previous days or whatever because they had it left over and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Um, Although they be did... Be friends with the people in the booths. <laughs> they did trial run this system at WonderCon. Oh, did they? That was going to be another question because I didn't yes. go. Yes. They trial ran the system at WonderCon, apparently. So the exclusive things at WonderCon that there were lines for in the past, there were no lines this year. Mm. So were, were those were people happy? less crowded as a result? Um... I don't so I didn't go myself all of my all of my knowledge is second hand. Um I I heard more grumbling than I did um people being happy with the system. But to be fair, most of the people that I was talking to are the people who would have waited in those lines uh, regardless. WonderCon's a tough argument because WonderCon's not big enough for my my point. You can still almost sure. get everything at WonderCon, which is one of the reasons I've on- honestly considered it as a better quote unquote uh, convention for people that like conventions and not for what Comic Con is, which is a it's not really a convention anymore. You know, it's like a yeah. miniature city uh, like bazaar kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I guess we're going to see, uh, it's, hmm. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I really, I see both sides in this one and I don't, I, it's going to come down to the implementation, I think. And, you know, so far they're not shining the best light on it. So no, they're over two in rolling out parts of the website about it. So yeah, it's, it's not, it's not rolled out well. <laughs> yep. It crashed when they rolled it out initially. And then it crashed again today when they rolled out additional exclusives. Well, luckily, I think everyone has until, like, mid-July here to sign up for stuff. So, you know, hopefully they figure it out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, man. <laughs> we all, all we can do is cross our fingers, right? That's the best we got. Yeah. Well, if uh, people think of things we missed on the Comic-Con uh, new exclusive system, where would they send those ideas? Uh, that would be podcast at weweregamers.com. Please. Uh, Send us emails there. We would love to talk with you. Also, uh, you could check us out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, where we are. We were gamers uh, at all those things. Uh, and, you know, leave us some sweet reviews. Uh, tell us about your Comic-Con experience in the review. That's definitely one we would read. Uh, you know, do all those things and, and let us know. Because I think there has to be an angle we're missing here. Likely. But in the meantime... Do you think you'll be getting the Mattel uh, Masters of the Universe exclusive He-Man Belt of Power fanny pack with built-in fur loincloth? Eh. <laughs> <laughs>